The New York Giants are still without a point after week one, and they lose by 40. Cowboys 40, Giants 0 after Sunday night's football, Sunday night's football, Sunday night football, and the New York Giants debut in this 2023-2024 season. Josh coming to you with my friend, my co-host Alex. We are here to discuss this game, and I have two little PSAs before we start recording. The first one is honestly an apology, uh, and that's from me. I was at the television station here in Syracuse, Citrus TV, by the way. I have to plug it because I said it. Citrus TV Sports. If you don't watch it, go watch it. Um, so I was there till after midnight, um, and we were not about to record an episode at one in the morning re- recapping this game. So now we are coming to you bright and early at 8 a.m. Uh, with as much energy as we possibly can before classes begin. And today for me, I have five classes, which is absolute insanity. And um, so I'm very much not looking forward to today. And I'm not looking forward to this episode either. And that's the first PSA. Second PSA is you might be listening to one of, if not the shortest episodes in our podcast history. So if you have a busy day ahead, just like me, don't worry. We won't take up too much of your time. Now, with those two things being said, Alex, how are you doing? Well, there's really not much to say. So um, it's, yeah, I, I don't even know where to start what to say. You said it's 8 a.m. in the morning. I feel the same at 8 a.m. in the morning that I did at um, midnight last night. It's just like I don't even know. I was I was texting Josh. I was like, where do I even start on the podcast about this game? And I think, I mean, you got to start with the coaching, to be completely honest, I think. I, I mean, I guess that's just the first thing that comes to my mind. The team just didn't seem prepared mentally coming, you know, you have a great first drive, right? I mean, I'll put that out there. The first the first drive, you get down to whatever it was, 15-yard line. I don't think they threw a pass, though, which is kind of interesting that whole time. It was basically just running the ball or scrambling. And you get down there. Uh, then you have the Andrew Thomas false start, which brings it to like second and seven, I want to say, or third, or third and, yeah, second and seven. No, third and seven, sorry for that. Um, it's all jumbled. So many mistakes are jumbled in my memory right now. It's hard to keep up. Um, and then you have John Michael Schmitz with the basically rolling the snap on the floor uh, or on the field and Daniel Jones to go back. So now it's fourth down and now you've wasted that drive, basically guaranteeing yourself three points. Obviously you weren't guaranteed to touchdown, but, um, you know, you, you now are settling for three and then the field goes blocked. They take it back for a touchdown and you're like, okay, at that point, your your team, your coaching has to be like, all right, we just need to calm down. We had a great first drive. It was just a couple of silly mistakes here, and let's keep going. And and then I think what really happened here, uh, you know, the Giants get the ball back, and then the the tip pick, right, which I think is really tough as well, because uh, they kind of were, you know, they, I don't think maybe it was going to be as bad until that tip pick happened. Um, and then the Cowboys get the ball back again. So I think it was just if everything could go wrong, it went wrong uh, last night. And I think the scoreline obviously clearly represents that. And it's, uh, yeah, it was rough. But you got you to gotta look at the coaching and say, why are these players so flustered? I get that it's a kind of almost out-of-this-world situation scenario that happened. But the Giants should have been prepared for every scenario. Uh, you know, you have all of training camp, the whole offseason, 
Stuff like this happens in the NFL all the time. Uh, you know, those first two kind of scenarios where you have the blocked punt um, and and then, uh, you know, you get an interception straight after. You know, that happens. You go down 9-0 or whatever it was very quickly, you know, quite often, even 16-0, right? The Patriots earlier in the day were down 16-0 pretty quickly against the Eagles. So, you know, you got to you got to adjust from that point on. You know, it's not end of the world scenario. And then it just felt like everything fell apart from there. And I feel like it's really unnecessary to be completely honest to go through every single mistake because we'd be here for, I don't even know, five hours. It's ridiculous how terrible everyone played and everything was. Yeah, and, and Alex, like you said, uh, everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And you, and you start out with the... Uh... The block field goal for a touchdown. I mean, there's a difference between when you have a block field goal and there's a difference between then when that field goal goes back, like whatever it was, 80-something yards, uh, and the opposing team scores a touchdown. And then with that being said, I mean, even the Giants lining up and Graham Gano, who's always, always making his field goals. This one, a chip shot, maybe it was like a 33-yarder or something like that. And he missed a wide left, and so wide left that it went into the stands and someone caught it. It didn't even go into the netting uh, behind um, or behind the uh, the goalpost. And I'm trying to just, I'm, I'm stuttering because I'm trying to get to, it was a 36-yard field goal attempt, um, which for a kicker in the NFL is a chip shot. And then when you see that not go through and go wide left and Dallas keeps their 26-0 lead, um, there's just no hope left. And that's what it was at halftime, and that's why so many Giants fans cleared out of MetLife Stadium at that point, and I completely understand that. It's a Sunday night. You got work tomorrow. You have places to be, things to do, and not a Giants team to watch. And I do not uh, – I'm not upset at any fan who left at that point. You know what I would say? I think what best represented this game I, – I probably was one of the few people watching at this point in time because – and I think Josh is watching as well because – who in their right mind who doesn't have a podcast would be watching the Giants at that point. They were down 40 to zero or whatever it was uh, in the fourth quarter. They finally get a good pass to uh, Isaiah Hodgins going. And then Isaiah Hodgins, he runs down the field for like 20, 25 yards. It looks like, oh my God, they might get in field goal range. Maybe they'll get a point. Nope. Uh, stripped, fumble. And as soon as he caught the ball, I'm like, he's fumbling this. As soon as he get like five yards, I'm like, oh, this is a positive. He's fumbling. It was just that kind of night. Um, and it just represented everything that could go wrong, went wrong. No one, I, I literally will say this, I don't think anyone on the Giants had a, like there was no one who didn't have a bad game. Everybody did not play well. There's no one exempt from the criticism. I know people are going to go, you know, by, uh, you know, Daniel Jones obviously is going to be one of the main culprits. Evan Neal is going to be one of the main culprits. Um, you know, some of those interior guys on the offensive line, um, but, you know, even player, even some, you know, the tight ends, like Darren Waller did not have the best of games. Uh, the wide receivers were just not getting open quick enough, especially considering, uh, you know, the limited time the O-line had. Yes, the O-line was the main problem, but uh, even they were not getting enough separation. The defense was not playing at its best. To be fair, they were thrown under a very, very difficult situation, but yeah, no one, nobody um, e even the water boy did not have a good performance uh, against the Cowboys. It was just all around bad. Uh, no, nothing was good whatsoever. And let's give credit where credit's due. That Dallas Cowboys defense was absolutely magnificent, extremely solid. 
And don't give any credit to Dak Prescott because there's no credit to be given to Dak Prescott. I don't want to hear any Cowboys fans saying, what a great game for Dak Prescott. He was absolutely carried by that Cowboys defense. Only had just over almost 150 yards passing and no touchdowns. This was all a defensive masterclass by the Dallas Cowboys. And Alex, you bring up points that we are going to talk about in Daniel Jones I want to hit on next. And after that, let's talk about that right side of the Giants offensive line. But before we do all of that, let's take a quick break. All right, so Daniel Jones first goes 15 for 28 in this game with 104 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, one of them not being his fault. The second one, I don't know where he was throwing, and it was giving me glimpses of the Daniel Jones of old a couple seasons ago before he gets the big contract. Now, there was another quarterback in this league yesterday that had a similar situation, getting a big contract, not performing to his standards, and that was Cincinnati Bengals' Joe Burrow who a couple days ago or three days ago or four days ago now became the biggest paid player in the NFL. Luckily, Daniel Jones is not the highest paid player in the NFL, uh, but he is up there in the quarterback market in the, you know, the the top 10, top 15 now uh, of NFL contracts when it comes to quarterbacks. And he did not perform like we expected him to. And like I said, even gave glimpses of those high interception seasons from a couple years ago. So, Alex, I just want to get your opinion and kind of break this one down, uh, what you believed from his start today or yesterday. I would just say that it was a collective... I mean, we, we've talked about this, but it was, it was a collective effort of poor offense. I think that Brian Dable, when he talked to the press, he was like, it's just one game. We have a lot to work on, and I do think that's very relevant with this offense because these plays were not working. This defense is locking them down, and there has to be an alternative because when that does not work, you cannot just keep doing the same thing. It seemed like, well, obviously we know, and we'll get to the offensive line next, that Daniel Jones did not have a lot of time. But with that being said, from what he was looking at, he wasn't throwing the ball a lot meaning his receivers were not getting open, is what I can only assume. And is that more of the Cowboys' just absolutely unbelievable secondary? Or is that more the Giants' routes are not working? You know, Jalen Hyde is not going deep enough. Paris Campbell is not doing more slants. Darren Waller is not being that wide receiver threat on the outside that he can be. I don't know what it is. But Daniel Jones' performance did include two interceptions, and that's that's a, that's a way to... Yeah, I think in general, like I, like I kind of said in my whole rant earlier, I feel like it was a combination, right? I'll touch on the offensive line in a second because you mentioned that. But I think some of the receivers, I mean, I was just kind of watching more towards the end, second half of the game, especially to see kind of like what was going wrong. Because at that point, you knew like whatever, this game is over. You know, Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins were not really creating separation. Uh, obviously, Slayton, much more of a deep threat kind of guy. And then Paris Campbell and Darren Waller, I did see a few glimpses of them getting open, but um, pretty, you know, relatively quickly, especially Darren Waller. But I just felt like, um, you know, you mentioned the offensive line. I think it's a great transition there. I think they were, if if there was blame to be given, it was 70% offensive line, 30% receivers because um, basically hands were in Daniel Jones's face within one and a half seconds, uh, which is crazy if you think about it. Um, 
consider like think one and a half seconds done like right right there that that's it they're already in his face uh from when i said it so um it, it's tough uh even if you're open right when there's players hands in your face and you're trying to you know survive for your life back there in the pocket uh it's tough when um you know even if some guys are open you can't really see them but i think that's a good transition to the offensive line and it, just that whole right side was terrible uh, you know, pretty much everyone was terrible. Andrew Thomas uh, was pretty much not himself after that hamstring injury, which is getting evaluated tomorrow or today uh, when we're recording this. So, you know, prayers that that's a good situation. Otherwise, uh, it's not going to be a fun Giants offensive line going forward. Uh, Matt Parrott went out too with an injury, I believe. So, um, yeah, that that whole off. I mean, Evan Neal, um, Mark Lewinsky, JMS, even Ben Bredesen to an extent. We're getting beat by these Cowboys third stringers uh, in the fourth quarter uh, when, you know, they were putting in their bench and, you know, Dable was uh, kind of forcing the guy, the starters stay out there, um, you know, do what they, or I guess complete what they finished, as some people were saying. So, um, yeah, or what they started, not finished that. Well, they did finish what they, they finished what they started. There you go. Um, so... Yeah, that whole side, Evan Neal, like it was just terrible seeing all these guys get worked by literal, you know, practically practice squad players. And that's nothing against them. It's just more against, uh, you know, our offensive line, our starters here, uh, who are just getting absolutely destroyed. Um, and it just, you know, we're making certain like seventh round picks looking look like Micah Parsons. And um, yeah, it, it was just rough. Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, the biggest question mark, right, if there were any question marks coming into the season, yes, this Giants roster going in, we're like, okay, it's more complete. We added Bobby Okereke as a linebacker, so that shouldn't be so much of an issue. We added a couple of cornerbacks, so that shouldn't be so much of an issue, and Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins. Um, you know, safeties, is, you know, we'll have to see, like, how does Jason Pinnock perform? Offensive talent we added. But the one thing we look at, and something that we added with JMS in the draft, but it was still a question mark, if any, was the offensive line, right? Going into the season, I was like, it's still a question mark. How is the offensive line going to perform? And it was something that I think went over Giants fans' heads. A lot of them did, uh, or, or a lot, you know, that did, because we were so excited with the offensive weapons the team added that they didn't even think about who was protecting Jones in the first place to be able to throw to those weapons. And that was very, very prominent in this game that you can have the three best players in the NFL three best wide receivers lined up on the sides of the field and in the slot and in the backfield with Saquon Barkley but if you aren't able to go to them in any way within five seconds then it doesn't matter you're gonna lose and I'm not saying that Paris Campbell Jalen Hyde and Sterling Shepard or Isaiah Hodgins or Darius Slayton are the three best wide receivers in the NFL, but I'm just making a comparison that you can have some amazing players on your team, like Darren Waller, but if you aren't given time to throw to him, then that does not matter at all. So this offensive line, like you said, Alex, you know we're going to get an update on Andrew Thomas hopefully later today or tomorrow, and we, we hope for the best that it's positive news. Um, and after that, it's just a matter of fixing things. The Giants have, I don't even know what I call it an easy win next week. I, I honestly don't know what this team is, right? Week one is a sense of false hope. And on a, I, I, 
like I don't want to say it's it's a it's a sense of false results, but I mean you look at the um, runner-ups in the Super Bowl, the Eagles having a close game, kind of just fitting in there with the Patriots. You look at what I said earlier with the Bengals, um, not not winning and not just not winning, but getting absolutely destroyed by the Browns. You look around the NFL, there's scores that you look at last season and this season, you're like, this is weird. So I'm not going to say week one in the NFL is a fluke, uh, but I w- what I was going to say was that if this game was close against the Giants and the Cowboys, that I would be like, yeah, next week we're going to be able to go across the country to uh, Arizona and, you know, it'll be a fun time. But I'm not saying that anymore. And yeah, every game in the NFL is a toss-up, I get that, but I don't even know if the Giants are going to be favored going to this game. I mean, they just lost yeah. 40 to nothing on prime time. So, I, I, I'll i just say this. They have an easier matchup than the other half of the NFL would be in the Arizona Cardinals. Now, can they use that to their advantage? That's what we're going to have to see after a week of practices. And honestly, I have nothing else. I, I think that's it. I, I don't know what else to speak on in this game. I think we touched on everything. Uh, and Alex, I'll send it to you for your final yeah, all I'd say is the only positive you can take out is it is just week one. Um, and if the Giants have the right mentality coming out of this game, um, you know, they can turn things around with, you know, a good week of practice, some, you know, major adjustments as well, obviously. And, uh, you know, we've seen this coaching staff be able to adjust in the past, um, you know, with difficult circumstances, maybe not as difficult as these circumstances were against the Cowboys, but um, you, you just got to have hope that they, uh, can fix these things and you know hopefully it gets better against you know a, a definitely weaker opponent in Arizona but uh, they kept it close with uh, Washington so you do have to uh, you know watch out for them obviously and they've got a pretty strong defensive line who uh, was kind of wrecking things against the Washington Commanders who also have a weak offensive line but probably still stronger than the Giants at least uh, based off their performance last night. Yeah and what I'll leave you with is that uh the Giants had zero sacks last night on defense, while the Cowboys had seven. Uh, and with that being said, I'm going to send it to our socials now. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Giant Take Pod, Alex on Twitter, at Annoying23. I'm on Twitter, at JoshSolo29. Subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast, on our podcast, Spotify. And hopefully we will have a more um, substantial episode next week. I guess that's the word I'll use. We will still have that preview for the Cardinals game later in the week, so stay tuned on our socials for that. It should be coming out Thursday or Friday. Um, Alex, I'll send it to you to wrap this one up. All right, thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. I know it's going to be a rough week for us Giants fans. Sun- next Sunday can't come quick enough, but, uh, yeah, just hang in there, and uh, hopefully things get better going forward here, and this team can turn things around after a rough week one. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.